Welcome to the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor, and I'm here for you. Today we're going to talk about ways to stop tolerating abuse. Abuse you may not even have recognized that is happening now or that happened earlier in your life. Maybe you'll hear something today that you really need to hear. It's my hope that you will. You're not alone. It's not your fault. You are not to blame. And I'll help you use that redirected energy to recover and to rediscover you, your values, your dreams, your desires, and then realize them in healthy ways and in healthy relationships at home and at work. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the Relationship Help Show. If this is your first time joining us, I'm so glad you found us, and I welcome you to look at the archives. They're all there for you at relationshiphelpradio.com, or you can also listen to them on bbsradio.com slash relationshiphelpshow. If you are regularly with us, I'm so glad that you continue to find value here and you're tuning in. That's just great. And this is our Valentine's Day episode. Now, what should that mean for us? Well, it's a very different meaning when we have toxic people in our life, right? Because they're unpredictable. Actually, they're predictably unpredictable. So if your partner happens to be a hijackle, a toxic, difficult person... There are two ways that Valentine's Day is going to go. Either one is going to be love bombing. The hijackal is going to want to flood you with all the things that he or she ever did at the beginning of your dating. And those are the things that caused you to be hooked. And if you're still with that person, then you're hooked on hope that that person you first met is going to show back up. And you may even have the idea that if you love them enough, if you care for them enough, if you're patient enough, kind enough, compassionate enough, uh, less demanding, oh, that you could do something that would change them. And then you're even going to be more likely to be hooked on hope that that person will come back because you think you can do something to make them return. So on Valentine's Day, you may get love bombed. That means that they're going to go back. They're going to tell you how wonderful you are, how they've always loved you. You're the only person for them. They may shower you with gifts and presents. But don't be surprised that within, I've heard, between 12 and 48 hours, back to usual. Poor behavior. Nothing good. Now, I said two things might happen. The other end of that spectrum is that nothing will happen. Why would I give you the time of day? You are nothing. You're a mess. I'm going out. One thing about hijackals is they have a very, very unique way of ruining celebrations and holidays. They're not good at bonding, so they don't like the idea of people kind of getting together and celebrating because they're not the center of attention, so they have to make themselves into that. 
but they don't know really what to do. That's not the way that they create relationships. So it's highly likely that if you're with a hijackal, you're either going to be love bombed with the intention of hoovering you back into the relationship more deeply, or on the other end, you are going to be ignored or downtrodden or degraded or demeaned or belittled or whatever. And I hope neither of those things happens to you. I really do. I hope you have a lovely day remembering that you deserve to be treated well no matter what. And so for today's show, I chose to talk to you about several things that will help you love yourself more. And in the loving yourself more, will give you more capacity to love others in a way that is healthy, reciprocal, equal, and mutual. So in one segment, I'm going to talk about starting a new love story and starting that by how you think about and treat yourself. In another segment, I want to give you the ingredients of what you really need to have great relationships. One of the things hijackals will do to you, whether that's your mother, your father, your partner, your ex, your boss, they will trot on your self-confidence. So there's a segment on tuning up and turning your self-confidence on. And that's a really important thing when people are really quite happy to tell you that you have no reason to be self-confident. And I'm here to tell you that you do because you matter. And I'll tell you about that. And in the last segment, we're going to have one of our regular segments. It happened to me. Wendy Newman, a relationship specialist, a relationship expert, is going to share what happened to her when she was dating a very wealthy man who seemed to be absolutely perfect until his hijackal emerged. So listen to that story. Learn from that story. Remember, you can always learn more at 4relationshiphelp.com or visit us on YouTube at 4relationshiphelp. Talk soon. Hello, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are these stories and questions on today's show sounding familiar to you? Are you ready to say no more to the abuse from toxic people in your life? I'm so glad. You matter and you deserve to have real love, true love in your life. Love from yourself and love from others. Not that demeaning, discounting, and dismissive masquerade that a hijackal pretends is love. I can help you regain yourself, your self-esteem, your self-confidence after a life with a hijackal, whether it was your partner, an ex, a parent, or a child. Let's work together now. For individual sessions or small group coaching, visit 4relationshiphelp.com slash join. Talk soon. Hi, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. I have a big question for you. Do you need a new love story? Would you like a new love story? Is there something that you would like to change in your life and you would like to rewrite a love story? So I was at a networking event the other day and I was enjoying a gathering of successful entrepreneurial women and they were all sharing their insights and successes and challenges and it was great. And then I joined a small group who were listening to a woman telling her story. And it was a classic story. 
There she was. She was beautifully turned out, well-dressed, well-coiffed, well-manicured, and an audience on her side. And then all of a sudden she said with a sigh, men are all the same. I really thought this would be different. It started out so well, but once the honeymoon stage was over, it was business as usual, and it quickly became clear that the bottom line of this relationship was always going to be in the red. I was just another one of his acquisitions, and once he'd bought, he took me for granted. Why do men do that? Does that sound familiar to you with any any friends you have? And that group just rose up in agreement immediately. It seemed there was a shared sense of, why bother? What did you expect? They're all the same. And that woman had fallen in love with her story. And I'll bet she told it many times. Why did she? Because she got mileage and leverage from it. It got the response she wanted and needed, mostly sympathy, empathy, and, of course, shock value. It also garnered affirmation that she's not alone in her pain or in her perception of relationships. So she's going for consensus. So she wraps herself in her story. She protects herself with her story. And she stops herself with her story. Could that be you? What stories do you tell about love? What's the last thing you said to someone about your experiences in relationship? Where where did it take you emotionally? Because every time you tell a story, you are listening to it too. And repetition is practice. What stories do you repeatedly tell about to explain yourself and your relationships and your perspective and, of course, your quote-unquote reasons, what are you practicing about relationships? I really believe that our stories become mantras and litanies, mystical invocations and repetitive chants that keep us stuck while we pretend to keep ourselves safe. You know, it's been 35 years that I've been helping men and women make their lives as effective and functional as possible and working with couples and individuals to do that. And I know how the stories about ain't it awful and he or she done me wrong are deeply held and they're often repeated. And they do become those mantras and litanies and mystical invocations and repetitive chants that can keep us stuck. And we think that they may be pretending to keep us safe, but they're not. So are you stuck or are you safe or are you ready to sail on? These are the choices. We frequently hope that our stories will protect us from having to change, but they seldom do. Now is the only time you can get off the rocks, get out to sea, and learn to manage the prevailing winds to get to the destination of your choice. Don't you love that? We need the wind. It helps us measure our commitment to our course and take corrective measures. Sure, a few days in the doldrums with blue skies and still waters is a pleasant respite from the storms and eddies of relationships, but that's why we call them honeymoons. In fact, I looked it up. In 1552, it was clearly understood. 1552. Honeymoon. A term proverbial applied to such as be newly married 
which will not fall out at the first, but the one loved the other at the beginning exceedingly. The likelihood of their exceeding love appearing to assuage yet which time the vulgar people call the honeymoon. (laughs) So it's been going on for a while and things are going to change. And the point of being in a relationship is to have the resources of two people to walk together through the storms and eddies with their shared insights and shared skills and wisdom. And being prepared by knowing that leads us to a different set of expectations. Relationship is not all sweetness and light. Have you noticed that? I bet you have. (laughs) If you're telling the same old stories of failed or unfulfilling relationships repeatedly, you probably have noticed. Unfortunately, though, by retelling those stories, you're perpetuating your expectations. So the story starts with having new expectations. As I said, I've been working with couples for more than 30 years. And of course, I've worked my way through several relationships myself. And I know the lay of the land and where there are possibilities for wreckage. (laughs) Perhaps one of the most important distinctions I've learned was provided by Drs. Jordan and Margaret Paul. They wrote a great book a long time in early 80s, actually. It was called, Do I Have to Give Up Me to Be Loved by You? And the approach to our relationships is everything. And I loved what they said because it made a distinction that is so clear. And I share it with my clients. When you're in conflict, it's particularly in conflict, but for some people, it's just in conversation. There are two approaches. You can either come from one side of the equation, which is you react from the intent to protect yourself. Therefore, you're going to be defensive. Or you can come from the intent to learn about the other person. Love that distinction. You know, always ask yourself, is what I'm about to say or or bring up, is that coming from the intent to protect myself or the intent to learn about my partner? Big deal. So as I listened to that woman at that networking event, it was all about her intent to protect yourself. I mean, she was saying things like, who would put up with that? What was he thinking? He was supposed to give me what I want. He was supposed to take care of me. He was supposed to make me feel loved and cherished and happy. And I deserve more and better than what he had to give. (laughs) I wanted to lean in and say, hey, girl, who chose him for your partner? (laughs) Where were you in all this? And now you're telling us the story of indignation and how he proved himself to be lower than worms. I'm just not buying it. So (laughs) if you are resonating with any of that, it's time for a new love story. Not the retelling of one, the creation of one. You can only write a new love story from the inside out because it originates with you. You get that? It's not about the other person. It all starts with who are you and how are you looking at life? So you have to do your own work your homework, if you like. It begins with understanding, who am I being in a relationship? What do I have to give? What am I willing to give? And where do I kind of hold back? Because if you're withholding yourself in any way, maybe waiting for the new love to prove worthy of wonderful you, your relationship is doomed to failure. 
or it could become one of those relationships that is completely missing the joy, the love, and the conscious looking out at the world together. But you stay together because of familiarity and fear and uncomfortable comfort. You can only write a new love story from the inside out. It starts with you. So I want to give you a few steps to writing a new love story. Are you ready? You've been thinking about what I could share with you about this, and here it is. First thing, what do you have to give? That's the first step because it is in the giving that receiving comes. So if you're waiting around to be given to, you might wait a long time and you could be very disappointed. Women or men waiting to get are needy. Women or men who know what they have to give are attractive. So what do you have to give? Second question, with whom do you want to share your giving? Have you taken the time to consider the qualities you want in a partner? Not just the list, because every affirmation book will tell you to do that. It's a good step, but you have to go beyond it. It's not about creating a transaction. It's about the pouring of yourself into the relationship. No scoreboards, no recorded history, no tit for tat, no withholding. So what do you have to give and with whom do you want to share your giving? And the third idea, do you really think it is a partner who makes you feel something? <laughs> no, that isn't the case. Your partner helps you as you help your partner to feel the way you have identified that you want to feel. You give your gifts to each other without measure of gift or return. Oh, well, that woman telling her story, she likely found a partner who fit the list of what she wanted, but she failed to identify how she wanted to feel in a loving relationship. Okay, so do you have to kiss a lot of frogs? Well, if you believe this, you're not taking responsibility for what you're picking up on the roadside. You chose to pick them up to kiss them. They didn't jump into your lap. When you know you are, who you are rather, and when you know how you want to feel in a loving relationship, you'll improve your ability to attract and choose one. And how will you know your ability to attract and choose has improved? Well, <laughs> you won't be telling stories that beg for sympathy, empathy, or shock value like that woman at the networking event. Any story you tell of a relationship that ended will become one of love and what you learned that will help you create an even better relationship the next time. The acid test for that, you and your past lover will still be friends. And the last thing to think about is, how do you create and follow a path that leads to true love stories? Okay, no surprise here, you do your own work. Focus on uncovering and discovering what makes you happy. Other people don't make you happy. That's not their purpose in your life. Happiness is an inside job. You'll find happiness, and even better, you'll find joy when you work from the inside out. Look for what brings you joy and with whom you experience it delightfully. That's where love can grow. So is it time to change your love story? 
is really not about them, all those people out there, or those people in your past. Creating a love story that you will love and cherish begins with you. It's an inside job. And I hope you'll take the time to work on it. And if you'd like to work with me, I'm always available for you. Just go to visit for relationship help and set it up and we'll talk. There's lots of things there for you at forrelationshiphelp.com and on my YouTube channel at For Relationship Help. I look forward to talking with you soon as you create your new love story, starting with yourself. Talk soon. Life as a couple can be exciting and enriching. You both feel supported, known, heard, and appreciated. You know you're safe. Is that what you're experiencing? Does your partner have your back? Can you be vulnerable safely? Do you trust each other fully? Would you say you were emotionally intimate? If not, things can get much better. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I work with couples just like you all over the world by video conferencing. If you want a world-class relationship, learn how now. Visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join and schedule a time to work together. Let's talk soon. forrelationshiphelp.com slash join. Hi, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor, and today I wanted to talk to you about something we haven't talked about before, and that is, what is it you really need to have great relationships? Now, that may sound like something we've spoken about before, but this is a little different today, so bear with me, because I think, and you know, that most folks live and work and play with other folks. So we all need the skills to play nicely together. Where do we get those skills and what are they? It's not rocket science, I don't think, to understand that our early training in life continues to play out in our adult lives. What we did in our families tends to be the baseline until we decide to consciously change our minds. And there are far too many people, believe me, I know, having been a relationship consultant for years, there are far too many people who spend their lives blaming their families for the present condition of their lives. Sure, some people have been badly treated or even abused, and I'm not dismissing that pain in any way. I work with these people. I help them overcome these things and replace these things in their lives. But most folks have not moved on. They continue to hold on to the, if only that hadn't happened to me, or they done me wrong mentality as a defense against moving forward in their lives. And I hope that's not you, but I bet you know someone like that. They're holding on to their past story and making it the reason that their life is not going where they think it should. And we all know we can change our mind at any time, right? So you can choose to play on your own team and be your own ally in creating the life you say you want. It's a decision. But do you ever let the old patterns you learned or observed in your family life infringe on your current relationships? 
Well, it's pretty hard not to, uh, unless you're really conscious of doing it. And do you have a fear or an unwillingness to trust new folks on the basis of your history with other folks? Many people do. And the big question is, and what I help my clients with is, is this idea that you have, or this fear that you have, or this unwillingness to trust, or these old patterns you learned or observed, are they serving you well? And in most cases, the answer is no. So as a relationship consultant, couples come to me, and one or both will complain about being compared to their partner's last love or lover or wife or husband, and usually not favorably either. I mean, who likes to be compared, especially if it's not pleasant? And I can think of one case that was particularly obvious. The man complained that his partner was flaunting her sexuality at every man she met. He said she even spent too long chatting with the checkout person in the grocery store, longer than was necessary in his opinion, and he considered it flirting. He said that when she bent down to choose groceries from the bottom shelf, she did it in a sexually aggressive way. Now, I'd seen this woman in the community for many years, and I had noticed no overt sexuality on her part. (laughs) So as we worked together, it turned out, as you probably guessed by now, that his former wife ran off with another man. And his belief was that if he had been more vigilant for the signs that he was now seemingly hypervigilant to, if he had been more vigilant for the signs in his other partner, he would still be married to his first wife and at home with his children. So his partner was in a no-win situation. Although she was now more conscious of everything she did and was feeling anxious and tense about her every move, there really was nothing she could do until this man took the pain of his last experience and left it behind with his former wife. So I help with that. And certainly, you learn from experience. Hopefully, you become wiser. It's unfair, however, to transfer one experience with a different person to another experience with a new person in a paranoid fashion like this fellow did. Wisdom, yes. Paranoia, no. To have rich, rewarding relationships with others as partners or co-workers, colleagues or relatives, you have to have a rich and rewarding relationship with yourself. It's that simple. So let me ask you a few questions. Do you approve of yourself? Do you approve of yourself? If so, great. But if not, what would you have to do to earn your own approval? Popular magazines seem to tell us all the time that we must be our own best friend, but what does this really mean? Stop. Ask yourself, am I willing to do for myself what I'm willing to do for my friends? Some folks will put themselves out to do something for another person, yet they won't even get off the couch to help themselves. They may be more comfortable spending money on another person than on themselves. Maybe they go places that interest them with another person, but they won't go alone. 
Akai said to one person the other day, if a movie is worth seeing, it's worth seeing, right? Even if you go alone, take yourself to the movies. (laughs) Really great relationships begin with really great relationships with yourself. That's another important ingredient. Now, before you say anything about your partner or your coworker or a relative, ask yourself if you are doing what you want them to do. I notice that with husbands and wives, with a husband, you can't complain about what he doesn't do if you are the wife and you're not holding up your end. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that. Life gets much easier when you are first sure you're living up to your own expectations of other people. Now, if you expect other people to behave in a certain way, are you behaving in that way? This is the beginning of how you see relationships. It's also the beginning of how you build relationships. It becomes the foundation of your relationship. So if you're expecting other people to do for you what you wouldn't do for yourself, what's up with that? Life gets much easier when you are first sure that you are living up to your own expectations of other people. The conversation you have with yourself is much more straightforward. Be sure that you're doing what you expect others to do and that you've been demonstrating this behavior over time. It's no fair pointing out that he or she, your partner, needs to participate in an exercise program if you have not been demonstrating consistently that you value exercise. That's just not on. You can't be doing that. It's no fair saying someone else is putting on weight and is unattractive unless you are at a reasonable weight. I mean, it's a pretty simple equation. Do what you're, what you want other people to do. Be yourself fully and allow yourself to be that. And don't expect other people to be who you want them to be and then make them wrong for not being that. That goes on a lot in relationships that I see. You know, we're really good at finding fault. And why is that? Because we've had so much fault found with us. It's a habit. It's a habit that we can give up. So why is the simple equation so overlooked? It's because we project. We project our shortcomings on others. It's like a movie screen. We're the projector. They get the picture on them. And we say, you should be doing what I'm not doing. Or you are, in the case of hijackals, they love to do this. They love to tell you what's wrong with you because they're projecting what they're afraid is what's wrong with them onto you and saying it's you, not them. So we project our shortcomings on other people because it's a lot easier than taking responsibility for our own, right? So all of this brings us to this thought. If you want a really great relationship in your life, In fact, several. Start with having a fantastic, honest relationship with yourself. That's really the only way. And as you develop that relationship with yourself, 
that you live from your values, you live from your vision for the life you want, that you live from your goals and you live from your beliefs. You become your own best project and you become the person you most want to be. Then you stop looking at other people and deciding what they should do. You're working on yourself. Now you bring this person who is kind to themselves, who is thoughtful about themselves, who takes good care of themselves to a relationship, and they meet their partner with kinder eyes. So, as I said, you want really great relationship? Have a really fantastic, honest relationship with yourself. Take great care of yourself. That's the best way to start improving your relationship with other humans. And if you're with a hijackal, you start doing that and you will begin to see that the hijackal cannot, will not, and never will meet your needs. So take really good care of yourself, empower yourself, get stronger and stronger, and then you will be ready to make a decision about what to do about that relationship too. You want to hear more of these ideas that I have, go and read them at forrelationshiphelp.com or listen to the YouTube channel for Relationship Help. Talk soon. Hi, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Handling hijackles is exhausting. It's never ending. An endless cycle of crazy-making, alienation, and constant drama. And cycles are difficult to step out of. I know, because I've been there too. And that's why I reach out to you to offer the insight, skills, and strategies you need to heal. My small group programs, Handling Hijackles, and Hijackle Recovery and Rediscovery, will shortcut your journey to healing, to save your sanity, and to stopping the crazy-making. Visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join now and let's talk soon. Hello and welcome back to the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler and today I'm talking about things you can do to improve your life, to love yourself more, to tune up your self-confidence. And that's what this segment is about, tuning up your self-confidence. If you happen to have been with a hijackal or you are with a hijackal, that's a toxic, difficult, often disturbing person. It really wears you down and tears you down. And one of the things that a hijackal always wants to do is to rob you of your self-confidence. So I wanted to give you a few things to think about today that will start building that up. And that's something you can do for yourself. So how are you doing in the self-confidence department? Have you had some bashes to your self-confidence? Maybe if you're with a hijackal, you have a bash every day. Um, but how are you doing with it? Are you picking yourself up and dusting yourself off and starting all over again? Or are you allowing yourself to just be, and there's no fault in this because it happens, to be torn down and worn down by the relentlessly difficult people around you? Those people I call hijackals. Now, <clears throat> Once you're on a downward path with your self-confidence, somehow the world just seems to conspire to keep you there sometimes. I know that, especially if you were raised by people who had difficulty giving you any approval, praise, or encouragement. Because if you had those kind of people, 
whether they were aware that they were doing it or they weren't, it doesn't matter. It affected you. If you were surrounded by people who withheld approval, they withheld their love, maybe they were neglectful, maybe they were just not thinking, or they were too self-centered, or maybe they were hijackals. If you were raised by those people, they just don't lift you up. And they may or may not be aware of that. However, when you take time to look at your life and see who did lift you up and who put you down, you can begin to see the path towards something better. I like poetry, and I particularly like poetry of E.E. E. Cummings, and he said, Once we believe in ourselves, we can risk curiosity, wonder, spontaneous delight, or any experience that reveals the human spirit. Once we believe in ourselves. Sounds great, right? Believing in yourself, though, takes a different mindset and some very positive, consistent self-talk. You have to first believe that you deserve to take up space and draw breath. Yes, I've worked with some people who didn't really yet understand that they didn't believe they deserved to take up space and draw breath. And that was a really painful moment but it was also a moment of a great breakthrough. You're here. You decide who you are. You decide what you do. You decide what you think and what you want and what you need. Nobody else. Let that all be in the past. Yet, if you haven't spent some time with yourself for a long time, you may be running on feedback from other people. And you know, they can be wrong or cruel or damage themselves, and they just don't have anything good to give you. So don't have your self-confidence determined by what other people have said or done. That's huge. It sounds so straightforward. I know it's not easy. But don't have your self-confidence determined by what other people have said or done about you or to you. Don't run on the past. Don't run on other people's opinions of you. Get to know you, you alone, without all the thoughts and influences of others. That means you're going to have to spend some quiet time alone. You know, sit down in a corner with that cup of herbal tea and actually spend time with yourself. Do you know that you came into this world with an underdeveloped brain? We all did. We were picking up feelings and attitudes and understanding about our place in the world before we ever had language. And babies know when they're wanted. It starts there. If you think about the condition of your family when you were very young, You'll get some insights into the development of your self-confidence early on. Were you joyfully welcomed? Were you the best thing that ever happened? Or were you added to the pack or one more mouth to feed or maybe somewhere in between? How do you think that affected you, knowing that even before you knew what words meant, you were taking that in? 
You can see how it takes some work to put all the pieces together to know where your self-confidence blossomed or where your self-confidence got trampled upon. That's why you need to give yourself some time to do that. When those giants, the parents who brought you home from the hospital, started teaching you your place in their world, it was the beginning of how you began to feel and think about yourself. And it continued to be shaped by all the folks you met. Some lifted you up, some ignored you, some put you down. So who do you believe? Well, that's where the work starts. Imagine you can rethink your self-confidence. It's not arrogance or conceit to know what you like about yourself and what you're good at. You may have been raised to think that, but it's not true. You can stop now think it through, and reassess. Or maybe all was well for you for years, and then something or someone came into your life that started you second-guessing yourself. Maybe you even started questioning your sanity. Certainly, if a hijackal, that toxic, difficult, disturbing person came into your life, things will have been badly warped because hijackals must win which means you must lose. And so constantly being told that you're worthless or thoughtless or even much less wears away your self-esteem and with it goes your self-confidence. Now, if you're listening here, you probably know whether or not you have a hijackal in your life, but if you're not sure, go and grab my free ebook, How to Spot a Hijackal, right now. Go to hijackholes.com as you're listening and download the free ebook. And that's spelled H-I-J-A-C-K-A-L-S.com. Because you need to know what's up. Hijackholes have to believe that they are always right and that they're always the smartest person in every room at all times. So where does that leave you? Definitely on the wrong end of the stick. Hijackal or not, you want to feel confident. Having been raised by hijackals myself, I know what it took to keep my self-confidence. Fortunately, I looked confident on the outside. Inside, though, I came up against all kinds of feelings. And one big one, the fear of rejection. That was a big leftover one for me. And now and again, it still surfaces. But with work, I learned to recognize it and not let it stop me from doing things I wanted to do. But it's in there. It's in the programming. And maybe you'll find when you sit down with that cup of herbal tea that you have some things that are left over from people in your life. Things like mine, which is the fear of rejection. If I let that take over, it would have stopped me from doing all of my work. But fortunately, it didn't. So do you have something like that fear of rejection that overrides doing what you most want to do or having what you want to have in your life? Could be it will certainly get in the way of your self-confidence. Has somebody ever made a snide remark about you that really stuck? It may have been someone you really trusted, so you were taken totally off guard by the remark, and it kind of slipped under your radar and hit home and stayed there. 
Or it may have been at a time when you were feeling uncertain about trying something new. So someone you knew well, or you thought you knew well, discouraged you from even trying. I had that happen in my life. I told a trusted older friend that I wanted to be a writer. I think I was 30 at the time. And she looked at me and she said, Oh, well, good for you. You want to be a writer. That stopped me for several years. Now, that wasn't great on my part, but I allowed that to stop me because it eroded my self-confidence. I gave her too much credit for knowing me. She didn't. In terms of that she was a hijackal. I didn't know that then, but she was. So when somebody you know well discourages you from even trying, it erodes your self-confidence. You give them too much credit. And then you believe them. And then you're stopping yourself from being fully expressing and enjoying being you. So self-confidence comes from believing in yourself. Right now, not back then, some other day or some other relationship, you can reconfigure your story and change the outcome. Did you know that? So the bigger question is, do you believe that? Do you believe that you can have a new look at your life and change your thoughts about yourself? Sure, it takes work. Sure, it can be painful, but you're so worth it. Is there something you really want, but you're not reaching for it? Is there someone you want to talk with, but you don't know where to begin? Is there a story you're telling yourself that may not be true? Yeah, I'm, are you willing to say, I'm worth it and I'm not going to sit back or step back anymore? I hope so. Self-confidence comes from believing that you have the right to be here to draw breath and take up space. And then you come to believe that your contributions to life are valuable. We live in a world that seems to value the grand gesture. That's what seems to get in the news. But it isn't trite to recognize that knowing who you are and deciding to smile at strangers is a meaningful contribution. When you're generally interested in yourself, you can then be generally interested in other people. And that's what you reflect in the smile. It's a great place to start. So, just a word about this. What do you do when you start second-guessing yourself and shrink? Say this. I have value because I breathe. I have thoughts, feelings, needs, and wants, and I am free to share them. It is my right. I matter. How does that feel? Let's just close your eyes for a minute and just hear this in your head, saying it to yourself. I have value because I breathe. I have thoughts, feelings, needs, and wants, and I am free to share them. It is my right. I matter. When you're even thinking about being confident, remind yourself of that statement. It'll boost your confidence. Of course, it's not that easy. There's work involved. You'll do the work if you want to be fully free and fully self-expressing. Whether that is in a relationship or at work or out in the world reaching for the stars, you need 
to be your best cheerleader. That inner work that you're doing, that's cheerleading school. If you want to build self-confidence, getting help is the best way. You can do a lot for yourself, though. And you do that by stopping to think this. Whoever told me that I did not have the right or the capacity or the ability to do what I want to do right now, where did that idea come from? It's highly likely that you may not even value that person's opinion, but you're letting it have a negative impact on your life. It's like that woman who who kind of put me off writing. I valued her opinion and I had to figure that out. So once you realize that you've let someone's opinion have a negative impact on your life, great. You can erase it and you can rewrite it. You know, the great tennis player, Arthur Ashe, he said something that really relates to this. He said, one important key to success is self-confidence. A key to self-confidence is preparation. So by walking through places where people robbed you of self-confidence, you're preparing for a more confident you. And as you keep on walking, you begin to feel that self-confidence right down to your toes. That's fabulous. And you'll also know how to shore yourself up should your self-confidence tank seem to be running a little empty. (laughs) That's an inside job for your inner cheerleader. When she or he is cheering, you are much more able to hear the cheerleaders in your life too. So be that cheerleader for yourself. Surround yourself with some cheerleaders. Pay attention to the people who tell you that you are doing a good job, that you have value, that you are a good person. Listen to them. Believe them. You know if they're telling the truth. Stop listening to the ones who are telling you anything different and believe in you. No matter what happens, you have to remember you matter and you have much to do, be, and have every day. So tune up your self-confidence. Stay on that path. Surround yourself with great people, people who care about you, people who love you, people who support you, people who value you. And listen, take it in. If you didn't have it in your background, enjoy it now. Build your self-confidence. Tune up your self-confidence. And if you want more information, visit my website at forrelationshiphelp.com or my YouTube channel, for relationship help. You can also get my weekly or almost weekly tips for relationships when you go to forrelationshiphelp.com. You can subscribe there. Talk soon. No matter what's happening right now, life can get better. If you have a good relationship, it can become great. If your relationship is in trouble, we can find a solution. The good news is that it's in your hands to start. The not-so-good news is that it takes time, new insights and skills, and a whole bunch of willingness. But who would settle for less? Not you, right? Good. You want to feel seen, heard, known, accepted, and appreciated. You want honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability, too. 
Read my book, Kaizen for Couples, available for download at couplesbook.com. Start there, and let's talk soon. Hello and welcome to the It Happened to Me segment of the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler and I'm here with my guest, Wendy Newman, a relationship expert. And what's really important, and I'm so grateful to Wendy for sharing this with me, is that these kinds of relationships, these relationships with difficult and toxic people can happen to anyone. It certainly happened to me. That's why I do the work that I do. And so I'm so delighted, Wendy, that you're willing to share your story with us. So tell us what happened. Oh, thank you so much, Roberta. I got, I got to be an expert, too, because partly my experience out there in the world of dating really showed me a lot. And, and I didn't just have a little dating experience. I went on 121 first dates. <laughs> <laughs> Not on purpose. I It wasn't a goal or a, a double dog dare or anything. It just it happened that way to it just took that long to meet my partner. And I want to tell you about one of those 121. And I wanted to bring up that that number was so high because of who he was. He was an incredibly high status man. I mean, 1% all the way had a lot more than a lot of the 1%. Very high mm. status man. And, and I learned a very valuable lesson because not only did I go for him for that. I didn't go for him specifically for that, but that was a, a huge perk. <laughs> well, it's certainly a definite benefit, yes. Yeah, to think that, you know, I could survive in the world and that I would survive well, right? That I wouldn't die alone eating cat food in my old age, that with this <laughs> man, I would live, right? So part of me was very attracted to that element of him, but he also had all the other trappings that would make him a very attractive man. He was six foot five. He was gregarious. He was charming. He was incredibly sweet to me. He did something on our first meeting face-to-face, -face, our first date, that was incredible. I had just lost my beloved husky dog and I was traveling on business and I was coming home and he and I had been talking for quite some time through the app, through the dating app, because we were both traveling a lot and we couldn't actually connect in real life. And so we'd missed each other a couple of times and we were expressing our annoyances and frustrations of missing each other in airports and whatnot. And so finally, the last email I wrote to him before I actually got to meet him face to face I had said, you know, my puppy, she just passed away and this is going to be really hard because I'm traveling back and this is the time I gear up to go home to see her and it's the first time I'm coming back from a trip and she won't be there. And I'm sitting on the airplane and I'm, I'm a little weepy and well, I heard I'm a lot weepy <laughs> and I've led a two-day workshop so I'm completely exhausted and my eyes are puffy and can't, you know, caked mascara on, right? And when I landed, I got a text message from him saying, I know it's no consolation, but I'm in baggage claim and I'm waiting to meet you. Mm -hmm. <gasps> he canceled a trip to be at the airport to meet me. I mean, what a huge heart. What a great gesture. Yes, right? a grand a gesture. Grand gesture for the 
for the fairy tale start to the happily ever after. <laughs> yes, and away we go. <laughs> so I was so swept away by the moment of who he was, the way he looked, how big, tall, and strong he was, how his lifestyle was a lifestyle I was dying to have. I mean, going out in Hong Kong at three in the morning to find him Advil would be like on my dream bucket list, right? Oh my, my. <laughs> so, I mean, I was just fantasizing away. I would be the best personal assistant slash wife he'd ever seen, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but there was something I forgot to look at in the dating process, which is, does he like me and is he nice to me? Big, important questions. And you know, I want to just say here before you tell the wisdom that you probably demonstrated that that's one of the ways that toxic people have of making you feel like you are the thing. You are the best thing since sliced bread. You, they would do anything for you in the beginning. Yep. And it turns out as I got to know him, he was mean. You know, he'd, he'd push my buttons in really uncomfortable ways that nobody else ever has, including my own family members. That's shocking, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I felt very misunderstood by him. I was constantly having to restate my case or re-say what I meant, or I didn't feel seen for who I really was. And it was really off to me. And when he'd be not very nice, he'd try and make it up with a gift. But right. if, if you know about love languages, the five love languages, gifts is one of them. And that's my least favorite. That's Mine too. I'm not, yeah, I'm not connected to that. So <laughs> he'd try and make up with something that I don't care about <laughs> without an apology or without cleaning up what happened. So pretty quickly I came to my senses and, and had to walk away. But the lesson that I learned was the most empowering or the most important thing to look at in a partner is can they empower you and can they see you? Oh, I so agree with you because, you know, I've written about this in Kaizen for Couples because it's so important. We want to be seen, heard, known, acknowledged, appreciated, and accepted. And if those six things are not there, it'll be just like you said, Wendy something's off yeah and you know it my story isn't a bad story i wasn't beaten or anything terrible like that but it certainly pushed up against boundaries that i had to enforce for the very first time and it it broke my heart to have to call it because you know now i don't have that fabulous one percent life but i have a, it turns out a life i really love with right. someone who can empower me and see me and hear me and he doesn't push my buttons so yay for me yay for you indeed <laughs> and you know I, that life of security that you were describing like okay from a financial point of view i would be secure but what you listened to was your intuition you listen to your body and security is in having someone who will hear see know appreciate, accept, and acknowledge you. That's where the security lies. And that 1% income, that wonderful lifestyle, you would probably, just making a guess, 
have stayed with him and ended up being exactly that, not only his personal assistance, but his whipping board, his, I can do anything because I pay the way. So good for you. What was it that finally triggered you saying goodbye to him? We were driving back from a trip and he was telling me something that he didn't like about my character, but what he was describing wasn't me. And I had never felt so misunderstood and unseen by a person in my life. Interesting. Let me ask this question. In retrospect now, do you think he was describing himself? No, I think he was describing someone that just wasn't me, maybe an ex-wife or mm. I don't know, but his mother, someone who was not in the in the vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> and not in the conversation. The reason for my question is that hijackles project Mm. whatever they're feeling or whatever they're thinking about themselves that is unacceptable to themselves, they project onto you and say, that's you and you're unacceptable. And these are the bad things that you say and do. And these are the things I don't like. And with hijackles, you can almost guarantee that they're speaking about themselves. So that was the reason for my question because that's just what they do. And the sooner that we learn that they're usually talking about themselves when they say bad things about us, the more you can let it slide off you. That's a really good point, Roberta. I never thought of that. And now I can kind of roll through the conversations, the ones I can remember anyway, and see if that's a match. I bet it is. It just never occurred to me. I just thought, who are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Well, hijackals are masters of what we call projection. So it's worth thinking about. So was it easy to get out of this relationship? It really was. It, It really was. Like I said, even though he had everything on paper that I ever wanted, I didn't appreciate feeling that way. And even with the safety of, of the money, I would have never felt safe and secure in life and and I certainly wouldn't have been happy. So it was pretty easy to walk away. I mean, it's always hard to walk away when the answer is now you're single again and you're on date number nine gazillion and 72. (laughs) (laughs) That's not so great. But other than that, it, there was some relief that Mm -hmm. I don't ever have to be trapped in that again. And that's really important. I once dated a hijackal again, somebody who had all the money he could ever use and more And he wanted to go so quickly. And that's a hallmark of hijackals, too. They want to jump in. They want to say, I will always love you. You're the perfect person. I think we're going to get married. And this particular fellow said to me on the third date, he said, we're not right at the point where we're going to be choosing uh, gold jewelry, but we're close. And that was supposed to be enticing to me. And instead, it was a huge red flag. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So thanks so much for sharing your story on this edition of It Happened to Me. And I invite you to put your stories on air or in the book. If you'd like to submit to the book, you can do that on the website for relationshiphelp.com slash IHTM for It Happened to Me. Thanks so much, Wendy. Thank you so much for having me on. Bye, Roberta. Bye. 
Okay, that was relatively painless. We got 10 great minutes. Thank you so much. Sorry to keep you holding on there. And, uh, no worries. <laughs> late to our call, and I'm glad we got it done. Thank you, Roberta. Yeah, so it'll go on in a week or two. Uh, you know, I'll send you a note when this segment is about to air. Great. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll finish that uh, post and get that up on the thing, too. Okay. All right, great. Thanks, Thanks. so much. You Take bet. care. Bye, you too. Bye. Bye-bye. I'm so glad you spent this time with me today. I hope you heard something that touched your heart. You can have the life and relationships that you most want, and that begins within you now, today. I'm always here for you. Life can get better. And you heard that from me, the Relationship Help Doctor, Roberta Shaler. I work with clients throughout the world through video conferencing. We can talk. Learn more at forrelationshiphelp.com. Visit youtube.com slash forrelationshiphelp. And if you want to listen to the show's archives, visit relationshiphelpshow.com. Join me for next week's show. I'll see you then. Talk soon. <laughs>